happy Mother's Day. If you're, if you're celebrating today, uh, I'm glad you're celebrating with us. If you're remembering today, I, I so appreciated what Charles had to say at the table. If you're remembering today, I'm glad that you've included us in your remembrance. God has blessed us with some amazing mothers and others. Mothers and others who have shown us uh, what it means to love. Uh, been great examples of love. Not just the love of mothers, but but those who have shown us what God's love looks like, what God's love looks like in the flesh through the way they've cared for us, the way they've lived out the love of Jesus. Heard about a little boy who snuck into his mother's bedroom one morning, on one Mother's Day morning, and dropped a card off. And she opened up the card, and the card said, Dear Mommy, Happy Mother's Day. Today I'm going to make you lunch, and it's going to be a surprise. P.S. I hope you like pizza and popcorn. I heard about a little girl who gave her mother a box of candy for Mother's Day and said, Happy Mother's Day! Here's a box of candy. It's really good. I've already eaten four pieces. I think maybe the best gifts are the ones that we can share with others. Whether that's candy or pizza or something else. And I think that's what Paul is driving at in his prayer for the Ephesians in chapter 3. His goal for them, as we saw last week, is goal in the prayer is that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And that's a wonderful thing, but what does that look like in practical terms? If we just put handles on that, what does that look like in terms of what it means the way we relate to one another and the way we relate to our community? What does being filled with all the fullness of God look like? Well, we're going to jump back into that same prayer this week in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Again, it's on page 977 in those Bibles in front of you if you're following along there. But I want to begin there in verses 14 through 17. Again, Paul writes, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Did you hear that in verse 17? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the result we're looking for. When we see a so that, it's telling us what, what, what we're doing this for. What, what is the purpose in this? When your mother says, eat all your vegetables so that you will grow up to be big and strong, that's, that's the point. It's not just that she's made vegetables, but she has a point to that. You, you need to grow up to be big and strong. So that shows purpose. It demonstrates that what we're doing has an effect. The proof of being filled with the fullness of God is seen in Jesus' presence in our lives. Now on one, on one level... We just acknowledge that's what being a Christian is all about. That's, that is the Christian life, the presence of Christ. We, we sing songs like, You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. We're going to take that off the tape. No one wants to hear me sing when I get that. We sing songs like that. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. We say things like, I ask Jesus to come into my heart. I ask Jesus into my heart. And we talk about being a Christian in, in those terms. We're very familiar with that. So why does Paul have to pray this prayer? Why does Paul have to pray a prayer so that Christ may dwell in your life through, through faith? Why does he have to pray that prayer that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith? Isn't it a given? Isn't that what being a Christian is all about? Isn't that just what Jesus does? Well, I think Paul's talking about something bigger here. 
I think he's talking about something deeper here. Not just that Jesus would live in our hearts, but that he would dwell in our hearts. It almost sounds like you're giving him room to kind of walk around, room to breathe, room to make it his own, to find his place in the way we love others, the way we relate to others, the way we care for others. You know, John wrote in, in John chapter 1, verse 14, John wrote of Jesus, the Word, that is Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. That dwelling among us, that, that's what changed John's life. That's what changes our life, and it's what changes the lives of the people around us. And so as Paul prays for Christ to dwell in us, what we see is that Jesus' love is foundational. Jesus' love is the foundation that we build upon. It's not just about singing, Jesus loves me. It's not just about singing since Jesus came into my heart. It's about recognizing that we cannot be who we are called to be without Jesus' love. You know, we, we look at different churches. We look at different Christians. And we're going to have our differences. We're going to have differences in what we believe and what we focus on. We're going to have differences in the way that we worship. But none of those things, none of those differences should ever supersede the love of Jesus in our lives. The love of Jesus takes priority. It is foundational. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, even if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong. I am a clanging cymbal. Love is foundational to who we are. Jesus' love is where we build from. And so Paul expresses that in his prayer here. He expresses it in, in two ways. He says there in verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Those are two separate and yet connected metaphors. And those, those ought to be familiar to us. Rooted and grounded. We talk about rooted, we're talking about plants, right? We're talking about plants. They grow roots. The roots go down into the ground, deep into the ground. They hold the plant in place. And in the same way, grounded, no, not grounded like you would ground your kid, but grounded the way that you would build a building on, on a foundation, on a firm foundation. Uh, you would have a solid, firm, unmoving, and supportive foundation. And what he's saying is that's the love of Christ. As Christians and as a church, we find our life, we find our basis, we find our foundation, we find our rooting in the love of Jesus. Roots are a, a priority for plants. You know, we, we might go out and prune a tree. We might go back and prune the branches, and, and pruning the branches is going to produce more fruit. But we don't prune the roots. We don't cut a tree off from its source of strength and stability and nourishment and then expect it to grow. And in the same way, if we cut ourselves off from the love of Jesus, we're, we're cutting our roots. And just in the same way, Paul says grounded. and it, The foundation is essential to the stability of a building. A foundation has to be firm. It has to be unmovable. One of you was telling me just a week or two ago about relatives that you have that have built a, a new home. And they've invested a lot. This is their retirement home. They have saved for this home their entire lives. And, and it started out as a pretty expensive home. And then the builder started talking them into a few extras. You ever have builders do that? They start talking them into a few extra things. They started off spending about, I think, $400,000 on this home from the, the way the story was told to me. And then the builder wanted to throw in a few things. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Threw in a few more things. They got done. It was somewhere around $600,000 worth of house. They got moved in. And one day they went down to the basement. And there in the basement on the foundation is this huge crack running all the way down. The foundation's crumbling. And so they called the builder and said, 
is this a problem? And the builder's response was, well, let's just wait and see what happens. Wait and see? Like, like maybe it's going to get better? Like maybe we put band-aids on it, it's going to get better? No, that foundation is essential. That foundation is important. It's not going to get better. And it, it definitely needs to be taken care of. And Paul is saying that is the love of Christ in your life. Without that foundation, you will crumble. The reality is, without being rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, we can't stand. Whether as, as Christians, we, we can't stand because we're not standing on His love. And, and so then what? We can't stand as a church if we're not standing on the love of Christ. Now, now we could become something else. We could become a country club, couldn't we? We could be a country club if we're not standing on the love of Christ. Well, we could become a community organization. We could become a charity. But without His love, we're not a church. Without His love, we have no foundation and nothing to grow from. Our attachment to the love of Christ determines our growth. It determines our reach as Christians and as a church. So what does, what does growing and reaching in His love look like? I think that's a big question that we have to consider. We have to look at what growing and reaching in His love looks like. How far does the love of Jesus reach? How far does our love reach? I remember when we first built this building, and some of you remember this, it, it seems like it took weeks. But they came in and they started smoothing everything off. They, they dug down and, and they started working on the, on the ground first. And, and they'd come in and they'd dig and then they would fill. They'd dig and then they'd fill and then they'd bring in all this sand. And then there was that guy that just rode on that, on that tamper all day long, just back and forth going over the whole thing. I thought it was going to be weeks. It seems like it was weeks that they spent working on the ground. And then finally they poured the footers. And you know, that was an exciting day when finally we were seeing footers getting poured. I came over and took a lot of pictures and they did a great job with those footers. They did a great job with that foundation. They got the floor put in. It was beautiful, just perfectly smooth. We could have just come along and said, you know what? That is such a pretty foundation. I'd hate to cover it up with a building. That would really spoil the view of the foundation. Why don't we just leave it alone? Why don't we just leave it with the foundation? Let's just leave it like it is because I would hate to spoil the view of such a beautiful foundation by putting a, a big old building on top of it. No, didn't do that. That's not what a foundation is for. A foundation is there to build on, to, to grow on. A foundation is there to support what we do. And so Paul's saying that the love of Jesus, being rooted and grounded in His love, that's your foundation. But the point isn't just the foundation. The point is, where does the foundation take you? Where do we grow from here? And so Paul continues in verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you notice the, the dimensions there? The breadth and the length, the height and the depth of the love of Christ. Oftentimes when we talk about love, we talk about what it does for me. We talk about what love does for me. How, how does it make me feel? You know, it just, just warms my heart, you know, it, and it, it does something for me. But when it comes to the love of Christ, the question isn't what does it do for me? The question is how far does it reach? How far does the love of Christ go? What, what does the, the breadth and the length of His love look like? How far does His love go? How far will we go to show someone else the love of Christ? Will we go across the road 
to show someone the love of Christ? Will we go across the country? Will we go across the world? Will we go over to that one part of town where they've got all the run-down houses? Can the love of Christ reach there? What about the height and depth? You know, what about the depth of His love? There are some people in our lives who are in some pretty deep places. They are in some very low places. They are down and they are depressed. Can the love of Christ reach them? Can it pull them out of that? Can the love of Christ go deep enough to show them that He loves them? I think there's some great ways that we show people the love of Christ in this church and in this community. I think there's some wonderful ways that we show people just how far the love of Christ goes. We've got our orange buckets, our generous buckets. We've got two of them in here. We've got one of them in the other room. And every week, every week we ask people to bring a dollar. Just bring a dollar every week. Some people bring more than a dollar. Some people can't bring a dollar, and we completely understand that. But we just ask, bring a dollar every week. We'll put it in the generous bucket. And then we'll, at the end of the month, we'll find somebody who needs that. We'll find somebody in our community. And, and we have paid bills. We have bought medicine. We have bought clothes. We have bought food. We have taken care of people's needs through those generous buckets. What about our youth lunches? We wrapped up our youth lunches uh, this last week. And, and again, thank you so much for all those that have invested in that. You, you've, you've given your time. You've given your talent. Oh my goodness, some amazing talent has gone into those youth lunches. You've given your energy. You've given your money. You've given so much to that. And you know, every week we'd have kids come in here. Some of those kids will never see the, never see the inside of a church except for those youth lunches. This last week I had a chance to talk to one of the young ladies that comes. I got a chance to talk to her about baptism this last week. And she's, she's never seen the inside. I don't think she's ever been here other than, other than the youth lunches. And that was just a wonderful opportunity. We have Bible studies here. And you know, on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m., I love the ladies' Bible study. The ladies come in. And, and it seems like there's almost always one or two ladies that's just not able to be here on, on Sunday morning. And it's a wonderful thing to see them here. Our Wednesday evening group, we have so many wonderful discussions and meals. And we have a, a great time together. We get together for those. But you know, we, we can't just throw money at a problem and call it love. We can't just throw money at, 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 the, at our community and call that love, right? We can't just unlock the doors. We can't just put a sign out front and say, worship is at 10 a.m., Bible study is at 9 a.m. on Tuesdays. Youth group is at 6 p.m. And it's unlocked and come on in and expect that to be love. Love means going out. Love means reaching out to these people. Love means getting off our tails and, and getting out of our seats and, and reaching the breadth and the length of His love. Taking His love to people who are so deep in their failings that, that they can't imagine anyone loves them. And it also means realizing that that's never going to end. There's never going to be a day when we're like, well, we did that. That's over. Let's try something else. There's never going to be a day when we come to the end of Christ's love. And we have to be okay with that. Jesus is eternal. And so Jesus' love for us is eternal. And that means we are never going to stop growing in His love. You notice how Paul wraps up the prayer there in, in verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge? To know the love that surpasses knowledge, that's a, that's a bit of a riddle, isn't it? That's a bit, of a, it's a bit of a conundrum, we might say. Maybe it's a challenge. Maybe what it is, is is a challenge for us to know His love, to commit to grasping it, to understanding it, and to sharing it with others, but, but realizing we'll never be done we'll, because it surpasses knowledge. That sounds a little bit 
frustrating, doesn't it? To know His love that surpasses knowledge. I'm now two classes away from my master's degree. I think I've done 34 hours. I've, well, no, it's more. Don't ask me to do math. Math is not part of my master's degree. Anyway, I'm two classes away. Uh, this last week, I signed the paper that said, August 28th, if everything goes well, August 28th, I am done with this program. And they said, we'll get back to you. I didn't like that part, but they said, we'll get back to you. We'll have to check it out. I've had these dreams. I'm not going to call them nightmares, but I've had these dreams where I get a phone call from the college and they say, hey, Brett, uh, we forgot to tell you we added a couple classes, so you're not going to be able to finish right now. And in my, in my nightmares, it's a PE class. So, you know, go figure that. Uh, it's like... You're getting, a, you're getting a master's in Bible and theology, but we also have a PE elective you have to do. You have to play dodgeball again. Great. And, and when the dreams are really bad, when the, I'm serious, when the dreams are really bad, they tell me I have to move back into the dorms to finish it. Can you imagine 50, almost two years old and living in the dorms? Those are my nightmares, and that would not be okay if they said, no, the knowledge is not over, you've not reached the end, but we have to be okay with the knowledge of Jesus always being outside of our grasp, and yet grasping for it anyway. Jesus' love surpasses our knowledge. We're never going to reach the end of it. Here's what that means for us, though. If Jesus, since Jesus' love surpasses our knowledge and we never reach the end of it, that means we don't get to put restrictions on who we're going to love and who we're not going to love. We don't get to say who Jesus loves and who He doesn't love. We don't get to say who's worthy of our care and who isn't worthy of our care. And it means that we are going to end up loving some very unlovely people. And we've got to be okay with that. We're going to love some people who are not going to love us back. And when that happens, rather than thinking we've wasted our time, or we've wasted our energy, or we've wasted our money, or we've wasted our love, when that happens, we realize that it, in loving those who are beyond our reach, we've come to understand the love of Jesus a little better. We've come to fulfill exactly what Paul is praying about here. A couple weeks ago, a, a young lady named Rachel Held Evans passed away. Rachel was... 37 years old, and a very sudden infection came on her and, and took her very, very quickly. 37 years old. She left a couple of young kids, and she left a very young husband. Rachel was a Christian author, and, and honestly, Rachel's someone I didn't always agree with. I didn't always agree with, with Rachel. I didn't always appreciate Rachel. I wasn't comfortable with some of the things that Rachel Held Evans wrote. But you know what? That's okay. Because my comfort is not the measure of who Jesus can love and who He can't love. My comfort can never be the measure of that and neither can your comfort. But here's something that Rachel wrote that I just thought was absolutely brilliant. She wrote this. This is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry. Because they said yes, and there's always room for more. <laughs> if there's always room for more oddballs and outcasts at God's table, then there has to always be room for more oddballs and outcasts in my heart. 
We can't stop growing in the love of Jesus. Neither can we stop allowing the love of Jesus to grow in us. It begins with that commitment to find ourselves rooted and grounded in His love. And from there, it, 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 for His love to be foundational to who we are, uh, to become what we build upon. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus tells us an awful lot about love. Jesus tells us to forgive those, uh, even though they might not forgive, uh, forgive us, to forgive our debtors as we have been forgiven by God. Jesus tells us there not just to love our neighbors, but even to love our enemies, to love those who would seek harm for us. He tells us an awful lot about the way that we should love others and the way that we should give and the way that we should see our relationships as pointing to His love. And in the Sermon on the Mount, after He's told us to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, and, and to love all these others, Jesus says this at the end in Matthew 7, verses 24-27. through 27. Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of Mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of Mine and does not do them, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus says, build your house on this rock. Not just the rock of His words, but of doing His words. Not just the rock of understanding His words, but the rock of living His words out. Of living out His love. For some of us, there's going to be times when, when storms blow. And some of you have already been through some very unimaginable storms in your life. You've had, to, you've had to endure some very rough storms. Some of you have dealt with storms of cancer and storms of depression. Storms of, storms of unimaginable grief following a, a terrible loss. Some of you have dealt with storms of disappointment because someone who said they would never leave, they, they left. And you know what it's like to wonder in the midst of that storm, could, could my love just blow away in the midst of this storm? Could my love blow away? Could I lose my rooting in Jesus' love? Could I lose my faith? Could I lose my hope? But I, what I want you to realize is there are people around us right now who are facing some huge storms. There are people in our community for whom the storms never stop blowing. There are those who are addicted to substances and those substances have, have stolen their peace. There are, those, there are those for whom the storm is just a constant day in, day out battle of how do I afford just to live? How do I afford to feed my kids, to pay my bills, to keep my house up, and if the, if the car dies, if the car quits tomorrow, that's a storm I am not ready for. And for a lot of them, they have no foundation of Jesus' love to even begin to start from. But they have us. And could it be that that storm that they're going through, even, even right now, that storm that they're going through, could it be that that storm just might blow the love of Jesus into their lives? Could it be that that storm puts them in a position to, to see the, the breadth and the length, the height and the depth 
of the love of Christ. You know, I think it could. But it's not going to happen without us. It's not going to happen without us reaching the breadths and the lengths. It's not going to happen without us reaching the heights and even reaching down into the depths and showing them His love. It's only going to happen if we commit to never stop growing in learning and understanding and knowing the love of Christ. Let's stand together and pray. Father, I think about that, that man who built his house on the solid rock. What Jesus is saying there is it's not just about knowing the Word, it's about doing the Word. And when we look at Your Scripture very closely, we see over and over again that doing the Word means loving like Jesus has loved us. Father, we, we would not be who we are if it weren't for the impact of, of the love of Jesus. And we realize that more often than not, that means that somebody stepped into our lives and loved us. Maybe in a difficult time, maybe in a, an awful time, through a, through a terrible storm, they showed us Your love. Father, there are people around us with storms. I pray that we can show them that love. I pray that, that we can show them the foundation, not only that we have, but the foundation that they can begin building as they, as they know Your love today. We thank You for that amazing love. We thank You for the way that You've, that you've led us to this moment. And we thank You for the places that we can only imagine that You could lead us beyond from, from this moment on. Let's pray these last words of Paul's prayers together, prayer together. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we, that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.